Welcome to Bible Study. For those of you who are new to uh, this program, this is a panel discussion on a particular topic on the Bible. And um, for the next few weeks, we are doing some studies on the main theme of making friends for God. In other words, we're witnessing. And today we're going to be talking about spirit-empowered witnessing. And I hope you enjoy the panel discussion. We have had some feedback that people really enjoy it and some people look forward to it. And I hope you will be one of those. But I'd like to introduce the panel. From down in the deep south of South Australia, at Mount Gambier, we have Brenton. Thank you, Len. And it's a pleasure, as always, to be on with the panel sharing God's word with our listeners. And I pray that by the time we've finished our program, many of them will feel the need of having the Holy Spirit in a special way in their own lives. Thank you, Brenton. And in the near north, up at Gawler, or more correctly, at Williston, we have Helen. Thank you, Len. Yes, it's a delight to be here. I just look forward to it every week. And um, yes, I'm just praising God that he allows us to do this. Okay, well, we're doing this, this via Zoom. And in the near west, over at Mawson Lakes, we have Will. In a privilege. Thank you. Hello, team. Lovely to be with you again. And then on the eastern side of Adelaide, sort of northeast, we have Nick. Hi, everyone. Good to be here. And not very far away from Nick is Lydia. Thank you for having me. I feel very blessed. Okay. Well, Nick and Lydia, of course, live in the same house, and husband and wife, and we enjoy their input. Well, before we go any further, I would like to share this with you. Last week we considered the place and effectiveness of prayer in sharing the gospel message with others. And to summarize what we talked about last week, prayer is an essential ingredient in the life of an active Christian. But our prayers should not just be for ourselves. We should pray for others to intercede for them. Although God is all-knowing, all Sometimes he waits for us to bring to his attention people who may eventually become part of his family. And we were reminded that earnest prayers of sincere Christians are effective. We were also reminded that from Samuel's point of view, ceasing to pray for others is in the same category as sinning. This week, however, we will consider that most vital aspect of witnessing, the role of the Holy Spirit. So we, before we open our Bibles to share with you from them, I'm going to ask Will if you would pray for us and the listeners. Our Heavenly Father, we confess that our need of the, of the Holy Spirit is great because we cannot carry the news of Jesus and salvation to others without the help and the communication of the Holy Spirit, and that we pray that you will use us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Will. Well, Helen, I'm going to put something to you first. Just before Jesus returned to heaven, and 
just before the disciples took up the task of spreading the gospel to all the world, what final instruction did Jesus give them? Well, I think it was very clear in Acts 1, and uh, I'm reading from verse 8, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it says here, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes unto you, and you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. I, I thought... This was very, very interesting. It talks about the power of the um, the Holy Spirit, that <clears throat> believers would receive it. And for me, when I thought about that power and what ha- what happened later, which we, we will bring out, the Holy Spirit gives us courage, doesn't he? He gave them courage and boldness and confidence, insight, ability and authority. And they would need all those gifts to fulfill their mission. And I believe we too need those same gifts, that same power. I think there was an excellent answer that the power is the enabling through courage and through presenting things in a way that people would understand. Well, Ledger, what did Jesus say about the role of the Holy Spirit? We have here a text in John chapter 15, verse 26 and 27. And it says, When the Counselor comes, whom I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So testify, it means to tell about. So it means the Holy Spirit testify told them about the Father and from the Father. And also we have to do the same. We have to testify about the Holy Spirit. Yes, well, there are many people who claim that they have the Holy Spirit leading them and they have the Holy Spirit within them. But it seems to me that in many cases they are not testifying about Jesus claiming that the Holy Spirit gives them uh, the ability to speak in other languages, unknown languages, and I have to add, completely unknown languages. And uh, But here Jesus said that the, the Comforter, another name for the Holy Spirit, would enable them to testify about him. Len, just um, while you're saying there, uh, it's an interesting point, and I would like to ask um, something, because, you know, those people which you mentioned, they will uh, uplift Jesus, they will talk about Jesus, but when you said they they are not testifying about Jesus, what do you mean uh, to be more explicit? Uh, Really what I mean is this. Some of them will talk about Jesus and uplift Jesus, but when they claimed that they have received the Holy Spirit, there's not much Jesus in it, from what I understand. They, uh, it's almost like a performance. What, what I was thinking when I asked that question uh, is that um, even though those people who claim to follow Jesus or even speak about Jesus, Jesus himself will say, depart from me, I never knew you, because you work lawlessness. I mean, what I believe, those people... They don't testify about Jesus' truth. 
about Jesus' uh, um, teachings, about uh, all those things. They may miss out some of those teachings. And that's what I was thinking to, you know, to clarify a little bit, because many people I come across and they will say, no, we are following Jesus, but still don't do his will. Well, you probably said it better than I did, Nick. And I, I believe that is the case. There are people who claim to have the Holy Spirit who um, it seems to me that the practice, their practice in their religious lives, not quite uh, what they should be. What I mentioned before in Acts 1 verse 8 about receiving the power I believe that the empowering of the Holy Spirit would enable the believers to share the message of the cross with life-changing, world-changing power. And um, I find it very interesting when I was reading through Acts, especially, you know, around about Acts 17, 6, and the Holy Spirit was the one that made their witness effective. In a few short decades, the gospel impacted the entire world. And Acts declares that those early believers, and I love this, turned the world upside down and I just thought that was just worth noting in in this week's lesson we actually will focus on the role of the Holy Spirit and empowering not just us but others but I did just want to share with you that the power of the good news revolutionized lives broke down all social barriers threw open prison doors caused people to care deeply for one another and stirred them to worship God our world today needs to be turned upside down to be transformed. Yes, well, it certainly was back in those times to the degree where the Romans, who were the um, political rulers of all that part of the world, were feeling threatened by the growth of Christianity. And that happened through the uh, work of the Holy Spirit. But it can still happen today, Len. Yes. I hope it will. Absolutely. I hope it is. I believe it is. I, I uh, have a friend who lives in Brazil, and he was saying that due to the coronavirus, that there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people applying for Bible study lessons because they feel that their world as they know it is too uncertain. And they were looking to the Lord. I also know that here in Australia, much the same is happening. There are many people applying for Bible study lessons yes. because of what they understand is happening around the place. Brenton, Jesus spoke about the role of the Holy Spirit, and that's recorded in John 16, verses 8 to 11. Would you like to read that and comment? Certainly. And when he has come, that's the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. There is a lot more Len and panel in this than um, meets the eye. One of the things we need to remember is when we're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others, it is not our responsibility to convict them that they are sinners. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. Now, how does that come about? I believe by spending time in prayer yourself and asking God to fill you with his spirit. Then his spirit will speak through you 
and people will be convicted. But it is not your role to um, play conscience for other people. The Holy Spirit has to convict them that they are sinners, that they're in a hopeless situation, and that there is only one way out of it. Uh, Jesus said in the second verse, I'm going back to my Father. So therefore, what? how will righteousness appear? Righteousness would have to appear in the lives of those who are fully surrendered to him with the Holy Spirit uh, being poured out on them. I believe that people today, we cannot see Jesus literally, but we can see Jesus reflected and um, uh, poured out in the lives of other people. Other people look at those of us who claim to be Christians. And our lives are a book as far as they are concerned. If Christ is living in us, um, they will see Jesus, even though they can't see him physically. And the last one was that uh, the prince of this world is judged. At the cross, Satan was unmasked. He was shown to be exactly what he was, a liar and a murderer. And one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to reveal to us that person that many people fear, that we know as the devil, is a defeated foe. Christ defeated him on the cross. He was judged. And if our focus is on Jesus, um, we have nothing to fear from the devil, providing we have on the whole armour of God. Well, that was uh, a beautiful answer. I would like to suggest you were saying, Brenton, that we as Christians are the book. I'd like to suggest that we're the cover. Yes. Yeah. We're the cover. But when people are attracted to us as Christians, then they can get to know what's actually it's all about. Helen. Yeah, I'd just like to add to what Brenton said also at the very start of that. He was talking about the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts of sin, and I agree 100% with that. But, Brenton, I think you also mentioned, you know, when the people come to the Lord or pray for the Holy Spirit, he will convict them. But I look back on last week's lesson, and I believe that's part part of our work is to intercede on their behalf. Yes. Because they may not even know that they need the Holy Spirit in their life. Yes. Yeah. And just to just to add on that, uh, Helen, uh, I was thinking myself of a passage uh, couldn't come in my mind yet, but you may uh, refer to that. And the Bible says that if you see your brother uh, sinning, then what do you do? You rebuke uh, kindly, gently. You know, you ha- we have a role also to um, to bring that person to realization of the need. Yes. of the Savior and the Holy Spirit. And that's why sometimes we can fall into the temptation of keeping distance from people, not being upfront, fair, uh, or, you know, and just saying, oh, it's not our business. We just need to say this and that. And it's it's true. That I, I thought, Helen, you, you pointed out very well that we are interceding for people, but we are also responsible if we are not pointing them to their mistakes. Yeah. Remember, it is the Holy Spirit that convicts of sin. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Thanks. This is a very important point. I think in sharing the uh, sharing our faith with other people, we sometimes think that we have the whole shebang to deal with, but it's the Holy Spirit who convicts. Mm. The Apostle Paul wrote, I think it's First Corinthians six verse three. He said, I, Paul, sowed the seed, Apollos watered it, and the Holy Spirit made it grow. Yes. 
Now, he used a seed as an example. He said, I, as if, we're just using this simile, I put the seed in the ground. Apollos, who was a, a good um, apostle also, well, I don't know if he could be called an apostle, but yeah. he was a preacher and teacher. He was sharing the word of God with people, but the Holy Spirit made it go. There's a grow. There's a difference between sowing and watering and making it grow. Now, I put in some snow peas a while ago. Most of them didn't grow. And the question is why? Well, they might have been uh, too wet or too dry. Anyhow, I've got some. You know, we often think that we are the powerhouse or the power behind uh, the witnessing, the whole witnessing uh, commission. And uh, it can lead to arrogance. I think that we need to stop and remember that we are just measly instruments and that uh, the Holy Spirit is actually the power that convicts the world of sin. It's wonderful and mysterious the way that he moves on hearts and brings a deepening sense of their alienation from God. He instills within them the desire of the need of repentance. Um, Then the Holy Spirit goes on to convict the world of Jesus' righteousness, uh, highlights Jesus to them, and the, the heart transforms when it beholds Jesus. Then the Holy Spirit moves on to reveal sin in each individual life and instructs us on how righteousness can be gained. And that's all done by beholding the beauty of Jesus and that we might aspire to that beauty and cleanliness and purity despite our own filthiness. You know, the Holy Spirit's role is not merely to point out how bad we are and to reveal, but to reveal how good and how kind and how compassionate and how loving Jesus is. And uh, we, we, we would desire to be molded into his image. I'm grateful for the work of the Holy Spirit because we can never fulfill all of these steps in reaching people for the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Yes, Brenton, you wanted to say something? Yes, just quickly. Will uh, covered it um, very well. There is an important point, I believe. Nick also mentioned it. Nick, the verse you were quoting was Galatians 6, verses Mm -hmm. 1 and 2. That's where you'll find that. One of the things that has become very apparent to me is when you have to go and deal with a person who is in error, it is just so important that you don't go there with the spirit of giving them a guilt trip. Mm. Now, a guilt trip is not the Holy Spirit's work. Mm. We can give people guilt trips, and we do give people guilt trips. But I believe that the work of the Holy Spirit is much deeper than that. It reveals that that we are utterly helpless and that there is only one solution, that is Jesus Christ. So I believe that when we have to go and speak to a, a brother or a sister, a person who has sinned, or, and let's face it, most of them know that they are sitting, that they're doing things that are wrong. Rather than us giving them a guilt trip, we should simply pray that the Holy Spirit gives us a spirit of gentleness to allow um, him to be able to show them that their condition is utterly hopeless. It's terminal. And that there is only one answer, and that is Jesus Christ, who is willing to accept them and forgive them right now if they are willing to confess. And I think the spirit in which we go is just so vitally important. Yes, Helen? 
Yeah, I I agree with you, Brenton. And I'm thinking of Jesus when he was rebuking the Pharisees. I read that um, when he actually did rebuke them, he had tears in his eyes. His compassion shone through. And I think there's a lesson there for us very much. I remember two instances. One, when uh, Peter was preaching uh, under the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, in my opinion, works a bit like this. When we are under the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is also present with those people which we come across. And uh, those people asked, because he says they were cut into their hearts, and they asked, what should we do? And Peter said, repent, repent, and be baptized. Now, there was another instance when um, Deacon Stephen he preached also under the power of the Holy Spirit. And the people were cut in their hearts, but they put their hands on stones and stoned Stephen to death. Both of these people stood boldly under the power of the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel. But the result was different. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to say here. The, we need to pray that the presence of the Holy Spirit will be not only in us, but also with those people who are uh, we coming across. Yes, I've read some uh, stories, some autobiographies and biographies of people who were what we would regard very profligate, and yet the Holy Spirit was working in them for years before they chose to serve Christ. Please explain to the people what profligate means. Profligate means they live a, a very sinful life, doing all sorts of things wrong. Well, in practice, Ledger, how does someone come to realise he or she is a sinner and to realise their need of a saviour? There is only the Holy Spirit that speaks to people's hearts. And um, so the Holy Spirit is the one that uh, moves upon their hearts to bring deepening sense of guilt and uh, their sins and uh, is moving their hearts to to change. So that's the role of the Holy Spirit. Yes, and I think uh, we as human beings have a conscience which is a pathway through which the Holy Spirit works. When we do something wrong and we realise it's wrong and our conscience troubles us, I believe that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, anyhow, Helen, in the fledgling apostolic Christian church, how did the people react when they heard the message presented by the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost? Thank you for adding that part because this is Peter, impulsive Peter. This is Peter the fisherman who has been transformed by the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2... And I'm reading verse 41. It says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. Well, guys, I don't know how you all feel about that, but wow. I'm just greatly, when one soul comes, and here we've got 3,000 in that day. That's just amazing. But that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Not the power of Peter, but he was used by the Holy Spirit. Well, I was going to ask, was Peter such a good preacher? I believe not, um, but he was very bold once the Holy Spirit took over. And when the Holy Spirit takes over, it's, it's like he, um, he virtually says, stand aside and watch me work. 
<laughs> you know, it's just absolutely amazing. Peter, he was uneducated. He was a fisherman. But God can use anyone at any time. Yeah. This is, that's a very interesting um, approach, Len. Was Peter a good preacher or, or is this and that a good preacher? We may have different uh, views of who's a good preacher and who's not in regard to many things. Uh, but a good preacher is, in my opinion, the one who represents Jesus. Not a good uh, oratory uh, person, you know, like to, to speak very well, to be very well educated and so on and so forth, which doesn't mean that it's not place for that. Because in the Bible, we have a, a full range of a spectrum of people very well educated and not so well educated, but all of them, they had one thing in common, and that was Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what he, they preached to uh, to the people they come across. Yes. Come on. A, a statement came into my head just then that God doesn't necessarily call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. Mm. And I believe that's what he did with Peter. I like that. Would you like to say that again? You think I can remember it in that short term? <laughs> God does not necessarily call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. Yes, well, uh, whether Peter was a good preacher or not is one thing. All I know is that man, Moses, stood before Pharaoh, but right in the beginning of his calling, said to the Lord, you can't send me because I'm a man with uh, poor speaking skills, and yet God used him mightily. Yes. Bill was talking about Moses. I remember when, when I started, I was called to the ministry work, and I remember reading about Moses again, and I call it Moses inadequacy syndrome, MIS, because I think we all experience that at times, but God can take over when we give our lives to him. One of the most impressive things that impressed me as a young person was a man who was a market gardener and he was asked to preach a sermon one day. It was probably one of the worst sermons I ever heard. He said something there that really pricked my conscience. He was talking about sins and likening them to weeds. He said little sins are easy to weed out, but if you let them grow and they become big, they're much harder to weed out. And that stuck with me for a long time. Well, in Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 16, perhaps you could read that for us. I'd like to ask the question that the listeners can consider while you read it. Where did the disciples' power to perform miracles come from? So would you read Acts 5, verses 12 to 16? Yes. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought their sick out in the streets to lay them on beds and couches, and uh, at least that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Remarkable acts uh, by the Holy Spirit through these humble servants. 
Yes, well, as, as most of us know, um, Peter was a fisherman and James and John and Andrew were fishermen too. Fishermen are not known for their speaking skills nor for anything else apart from catching fish. Some of them can't even swim. But here, God used them or through them, the Holy Spirit healed many sick Brenton. Yes, John fourteen twelve actually is being fulfilled in what Will has just read. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 12, greater things than these will you do because I go to my Father. <coughs> the disciples are now demonstrating exactly what Christ has said. They are doing greater things than what Christ did, not greater in quality, but greater in quantity. If you think back to Christ's life on earth, the miracles he performed were all personally performed in most cases. Here you have people being brought from towns and villages all over Judea and Galilee to Jerusalem so that Peter's shadow will just pass across them. And uh, it says at the end of it that they are all healed along with a heap of people who were demon-possessed as well. So what Christ promised in John 14 verse 12 is now being fulfilled in Acts chapter 5 verses 12 to 16. And I think the takeaway, a point there is, is Christ saying to us today, greater works than these will you do if you are committed to me? Christ could only be geographically in one place at one time. We have the opportunity of sharing the gospel worldwide. And uh, I believe if we are spirit-filled, we will see this verse, John 14, verse 12, fulfilled in our own lives if we pray earnestly and surrender ourselves fully to God's calling. It's, it's amazing. Um, somebody made the statement before about the result of the ministry of the apostles uh, the term used was that they turned the world upside down. Mm. And it's amazing that the church grew so quickly, given the fact that just a few dedicated men from a largely peasant background were carrying out the commission given by Jesus. Talking about these uh, uneducated people, as you mentioned, and they were fishermen, and you mentioned that uh, they were probably not very good speakers. Um, just to say that, Maybe you haven't heard of um, the fishermen stories. They can really talk about. Um, but uh, what I was going to say here, the effectiveness yes. of their ministry was not because they were relying or on their abilities of uh, speaking up or preaching the gospel, but they were influenced by the Holy Spirit. But remember, they couldn't do much until the Holy Spirit was poured upon them. Huh. And this is the whole issue here. We may uh, find ways of or techniques of reaching out to people and still not being effective because we are not relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not asking for the Holy Spirit to guide us, to direct us. And in the Bible says also that the wisdom of this world, it's foolishness before God. Yeah. But the fear of the Lord is the true wisdom. And I believe that this man of God in the early church, they were exercising the power of the Holy Spirit rather than their wisdom. Even those who were educated like Paul, remember what Paul used to say about that, that he considered all things like 
garbage or rubbish. Yeah. Even his education. But one thing what he, he knew was that he realized that he needs to give his life to Jesus Christ. And so I'd like to say this. These men were not using the Holy Spirit. They were channels of the Holy Spirit. Mm. They were not there to boss the Holy Spirit around and tell him what to do. It was probably more correct to say the Holy Spirit was using them. And it's really amazing that the early church grew so quickly, given the fact that just a few dedicated men from a largely peasant background were carrying out the commission given by Jesus. What does Acts 6 verse 7 say there, Legend? It says that so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. We observe here that as a result of Peter's and John, John's preaching in that area in that time, many who heard the message believed and the number of men grew many times. So the spirit-inspired word was the basis of their authority. And we observe here that the same Holy Spirit who inspired the word of God works through the word to change people's lives. There is a life-giving power in the word of God because through the spirit, it is Christ's living word. So the Holy Spirit is the one who changes people's hearts. And we, I observe here in, in Acts that people were touched in their hearts. They heard the, the word of God. They believed in their hearts. So the Holy Spirit filled their hearts and changed their hearts. And uh, they paid close attention. They were very glad. They believed and they honored the word of the Lord. Okay, well, Book of Acts was written by Luke. Luke was not a disciple or an apostle. Perhaps he was a kind of disciple. But he um, has recorded the Acts of the Apostles. That's what the Book of Acts is actually called. And you can read there about how the Holy Spirit used these various people to share the gospel of salvation. Brenton. Example number one was Stephen. Would you like, we'll do this fairly quickly if you don't mind, Paddle. Sure. Stephen was shown a vision, I believe, of uh, Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God. Remember, this is just after his message has cut these Sanhedrin to the heart and they're ready to stone him to death. He sees a vision of Jesus standing at the right hand of God. This would have convicted them even more than the message that he had given, I think, up until that point. So um, we, we get a very clear sense here that um, even though he knew he wasn't going to get out of there alive, he had placed his confidence and his trust in the Lord. This was his testimony. Yes. Uh, it says in Acts 7.55, talks about Stephen full of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And he, as you said, he knew his life was on the line and they killed him. But nevertheless... He was brave and he was forthright and he shared the word of God. Another one was Philip. Again from the New Living Translation, it says, The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Interesting that Philip also straight away, he believed and he did what he was told. Yes. I can testify in my own life 
of times when I have been prompted by the Holy Spirit to say something or to go somewhere and I've learned over the years to obey, not to argue, um, because I believe that when you're walking with the Spirit, the power comes from the Spirit and, as you said, it touches the hearts of others. And I have seen people that go from, I don't want to hear anything about anybody's religion, etc., to standing talking with them for a couple of hours and they keep asking questions because the Holy Spirit prompted me to go to their place that day. And oh. I believe this is, it works today. The Holy Spirit works in our life today just as he did back then with Philip. Yes. Bridget, we have a comment about Peter in Acts 11.15. Yes, it says here that as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. So this is Peter speaking, that the Holy Spirit came on them as they were there praying. Yes, uh, and um, it wasn't just the apostles, it was other people too. Yeah. Dr. Luke wrote about Paul well in Acts 16, verse 6 to 10. Would you like to share what it says there? There's the remarkable account here, Len, in the panel of the Holy Spirit actually telling them where to go and where not to go. That's pretty direct. He directed their, uh, their steps in the true sense of the word. I'd like to read it, Acts 16, 6 to 10. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word uh, in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Christ would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and uh, went down to Troas. And it's there during the night that Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, it says here, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Remarkable here that God the Spirit of God shielded them from going to certain places, but then the call came, rather go to Macedonia. Yes, and I've heard of people too who felt very impressed. I, we had more time, I'd share a story with a young man where he uh, was driving home after a prayer meeting. was very impressed to stop and buy four litres of milk. This is about 10 o'clock at night. And he thought, well, Lord, if this is you speaking to me, I'll do it, but I have no idea why. So he bought the milk, kept driving, came to a certain street, and he felt very impressed to turn down that street. I thought, this is crazy. And he drove past. And then he, that impression was so strong, and I believe it's the Holy Spirit speaking to him. He turned around, went down that street, and he didn't know where to stop or anything. He stopped, or he felt, stop here. Never heard words, but just had this impression. And it's all dark and everything. He thought, oh, I don't know. But if this is God speaking to me, I'd better do it. He got out of the car, took the milk with him, knocked on the door. house was in darkness. This chap came to him and he was pretty grumpy. And this young man thought, well, if this is God speaking to me, I'm doing what he says. It turns out that that family had not eaten for four days they had a young child who hadn't had anything to eat or drink for a long, long time. 
And these people thought this young man was an angel. Mm. He wasn't. God used him to bring relief to those people. Well, anyhow, we have another one. Uh, the church council, Acts 15, 28 and 29, eh? Yes, here it's a, again a very interesting uh, example how the early church dealt with um, certain things. And it says here from 28, for it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from this, you will do well. This is a very interesting passage here, and I'd like quickly just to say something. In our approach to people, because we are all ministers, you know, uh, we are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we want to see all in his kingdom. Sometimes we want to give them the whole gospel in one go, and to see them converted and uh, baptized and all those things. We don't understand that it's a progression here. And uh, I learned from this passage that they are they were working on these people. Now, I believe that other things which are not mentioned here were not avoided at the right time. I remember quickly uh, telling uh, you a, a story when I was coming across an officer from the army in Romania. And uh, he fell into drinking and he actually had to leave. He was a major in the army. And he had to leave the army. And as I was working with him, trying to share with him the gospel, and in that area where he was living, there was not a group of believers um, as I would like him to connect with. But there were some other groups of believers, which probably I may have some differences, put it this way, with, with those groups. But I encouraged him to go to that church, to that group, because I knew that he will be helped out to kind of uh, stay away from the the drink and all those things. And after a while, and here is the trick, after a while, those people, which I wouldn't mention the denomination at this point, they kind of took um, ownership of him, to say so, you know, and they will cut me off from him. They will say, oh, don't disturb him. He comes to our church. And I said, that's fine. I kept my relationship with him and my friendship. And one day, actually, his wife, stood up and said to those people, you know, actually, our brother Nick encouraged us to come to you, but we discover in the Bible a little bit more than what you offer in, uh, in your church, and we want to follow that, the, the fullness of, of the Bible. And I was so happy and pleased to see the work of the Holy Spirit, not the um, persuasion, or how you say that, of, of myself as a human being. And I see in this example a very good uh, lesson for us to learn. Yeah, thank you for that. As you look at the work of the Holy Spirit in the early Christian church, starting with Stephen's martyrdom, then moving on to the Holy Spirit giving very explicit and direct uh, instructions to Philip as to where he was to go and what he was to wait for, uh, then you move on to Peter finally having his spiritual eyes anointed to the fact that the Holy Spirit was being poured out on the Gentiles because they too spoke in tongues, just as Peter and the apostles did on the day of Pentecost. Then the work of the Holy Spirit in the um, matter of circumcision in Acts chapter 15 and the ministry of Paul to the European continent and also Asia Minor. In all of those works, Len, um, the Holy Spirit is prominent. Someone has said 
that it shouldn't be called the book of Acts. It should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Yes. I think that's a very appropriate um, acronym to give to it because the Holy Spirit is certainly front and centre in everything that's happened. But the important point in summary is this. The same Holy Spirit that was poured out on Stephen, on Philip, on Peter, on Paul, the same Holy Spirit is just as available today to be poured out upon us if we are willing. We need, I believe, what they had. I believe with all my heart we need this same experience today in the church. The only way that the gospel is going to go to our society, and let's face it, many people in our society today are inoculated against religion as they see it. It will require the Holy Spirit to break down those barriers in order that they may see Jesus and him crucified and that he is their only hope. My prayer is simply this, based on what we have been reading, and my prayer is that each of us will have that experience personally. There is a close relationship between uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, the written word of God, and uh, the witness of, that the new church, the, the, the church is uh, called to do for the gospel. We notice this in the lives of the various members of the, um, the early church, but I'd like to just quickly comment on in Acts 4, where, pulled, where Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, and even the rulers and the elders notice that there's been a remarkable change. He preaches to them, they're convicted to the heart, and um, I'd love what the uh, final verses say in uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men. They were, uns they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. There we are. We have the actual secret of success, working with the Holy Spirit. I think it's very important for us and our listeners to realize that the Holy Spirit is there for the purpose of leading people to Christ. There are other things that the Holy Spirit does. Some people get the idea that the Holy Spirit is there for a special experience, a high, a religious high, but that's not so because it's to lead people to Christ. It's an interesting verse in that same chapter, that's Acts 4.31, which says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what comes next, the Bible says, and spoke the word of God boldly. There is a close connection between the word of God and the Holy Spirit. Ledger, where does the word of God come from? In Second Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. So the word of God, the Bible, is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the same Holy Spirit is working in our hearts to change our hearts. Okay. The two have to be together. But what happens or when someone claims to be controlled by the Holy Spirit and claims to have a revelation or a vision that is contrary to the Bible... How should we react, Nick? Very quickly, I'm just quoting a passage in the Bible. It says that to the law and to the 
testimony. If they don't speak according with this, uh, there is no light in them. Yeah, we have to co- uh, we have to check that with it is written. People can claim all sorts of things. They can have visions of all sorts of things, but that needs to be backed up with um, uh, with the word of God. I'd like to say something quickly here. If you haven't heard about this book, or uh, I'm I'm talking to you, listener. If you want to understand a little bit more about the work of the Holy Spirit. There is a wonderful book called The Greatest Need of the Adventists is the Outpouring of the Holy Spirit by Jean Closet. Now, when I said Adventists, doesn't refer to a, a church, a denomination. It refers to all those people who are awaiting the second coming of Jesus Christ. And if we want to be part of that group who are going to meet Jesus or awaiting from Jesus, we really need to understand how the power of the Holy Spirit works in our lives and not to have just a traditional understanding of the power of the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, in some groups, the Holy Spirit is uh, say used as a, as a form of, and people can condition even our salvation with that thing. And I believe it's wrong. Yes. So what should our attitude to the Word of God be, Brenton? Well, Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between uh, the marrow and the uh, soul. Um, Our attitude should be, I believe, Len, that if God's word is speaking to our hearts and we are humble, we will receive it as it is meant and we will be obedient to what we follow. Now, part of the problem today in Bible study is simply this. Um, Bible study can often become just... Uh, shall we say, a conduit for everybody's opinions, rather than taking the word of God as it reads and saying, it's speaking to my heart, I need to do something, um, I need to be obedient to what I'm following, we can end up over-analyzing sometimes the simplest of texts and uh, missing the message completely of what it's meant to do. So I think if the word of God is read and it is received humbly and prayerfully, we will be obedient to follow what we have read and what we have learned. Yes, we mustn't forsake the Word of God. In fact, the Holy Spirit should lead us to the Word of God, not away from it. Yes. Helen? The same Holy Spirit who inspired the Word of God works through the Word to change lives today. There is life-giving power in the Word of God because through the Spirit it is Christ's living Word. And so the the reason really that the Bible has such power to transform lives is because the same Holy Spirit who inspired the Bible in the first place inspires and changes us as we read it. And I know I've experienced that in my own life. But going on from there, as we actually share God's words with others, the Holy Spirit works to change their lives through the word he inspired. But again, at the same time, he changes us. God has promised to bless his word, not our words. The power is in the word of God, not human speculation. And I was reading earlier in Acts where nothing done for God is ever wasted. The book of Acts records individuals from many classes of society who were converted to Christianity. Such people were Lydia. She was a successful businesswoman mentions the head jailer at Philippi, some of the intellectuals at Athens, Crispus, a Jew, 
synagogue leader at Corinth and many other people. The Holy Spirit will speak to people from all classes of society. Lydia, I know you would like to share something here. As we witness for Christ and share his word with others, is the Holy Spirit who will do remarkable things in the lives of all sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds, cultures, education, and uh, beliefs. So we cannot and must not make assumptions about who can or cannot be reached. Our job is to witness to anyone and everyone brought in our lives. And the Lord will do the rest through his Holy Spirit. Yes. Now, last week we were talking about prayer. Today we were talking about the Holy Spirit. What are the four means which uh, God uses to convert someone, Will? God reaches people through his word, the truth. He reaches people by the intercessory prayers of others. He reaches people by the influence of the Holy Spirit primarily. And uh, he reaches people by someone willing to serve. Yes, and that's, that's important. It's not all or only one thing. We do hear of special stories of people who had dreams and visions and they turned to God as a result of that. But generally, there is a variety of influences. So, Brenton, for those who want to take the gospel message to others, how do they get the Holy Spirit? Well, <laughs> it's true to say, Len, that they don't get the Holy Spirit. They're given the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit is a gift and he is available when we pray uh, through Jesus. Remember, the Holy Spirit's role is to reveal Jesus, just as Jesus came to reveal God the Father. So if we pray that the Holy Spirit is given to us, what we will in effect be doing is we will be revealing Jesus because that's the role of the Holy Spirit. So the simple answer is if we want to take the gospel to others, pray for the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you Jesus in a unique and meaningful way that you can then share with others. Yes, and in praying for the Holy Spirit, our own lives are also transformed. Yes, it does as much for us as those that we're witnessing to, Len. Well, listeners, if you feel that you need to give your life to the Lord, that means the Holy Spirit is influencing you. And on the other hand, if you're already committed to the Lord and compelled or feel compelled message, the Holy Spirit is influencing you too. We, as your panel today, have invited the Holy Spirit into our lives and into this presentation so that you might be influenced, if you're already not a Christian, to become one. Mm. And then we're going to close with prayer. I'm just going to quickly say that uh, you may be part of a group of a church. Uh, you know, you are a believer, but you still maybe not uh, experienced and you don't know uh, uh, if you if you have the power of the Holy Spirit or if you are influenced by the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit, uh, as we learn, uh, it's promised to us and uh, we need to pray. But at the same time, we cannot just be passive, just waiting for, um, you know, things to happen. We need to be very active, very intentional uh, in uh, our relationship with God. And one thing I like to uh, to stress out here is that 
we should uh, detach ourselves from just programs, all sorts of things in the church, but we should go out in the world, in the community, to reach out to people, to share the good news, the gospel with everyone, not to just enjoy a good time, a good fellowship time together in churches. I believe that's not God's will. To have a place, the church, to come together, to get to strengthen each other, but we need to be in the world. All right. Helen, quickly. Yes, thank you. Um, just looking back on those disciples and what we've studied today, they prayed, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke the word of God with a confidence, they, they gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus, and, you know, they were redeemed by his grace, transformed by his love, and they felt an inner compulsion to share their faith. They could not keep silent, and neither can I. Amen. <laughs> yes, well, that's lovely. And thank you, panel, for sharing today and presenting your wisdom and knowledge and experience with our listeners. And listeners, we pray that you will allow the Holy Spirit to use you and to speak to you. Let's close with prayer. And Brendan is going to pray for us. Our wonderful Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We thank you that through Jesus and through you as our loving Heavenly Father, we have the Holy Spirit. He is here with us today. We thank you that he has been with us in our study time together, and we pray that we may understand the reason the Holy Spirit has been given to human beings is to make us effective witnesses for you. I pray for our panel, and I pray for our listeners that they will feel the movings of your spirit right now. Lord, speak to our witnesses, speak to our listeners today. Help them to say, here am I, Lord, send me. May our hearts be softened by your love, and may our witness for you be effective. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're glad you joined us today, listeners, and uh, we invite you to join us again next week where we'll look at another topic in the sharing of the good news of salvation with other people. So until then, God bless you all.